Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Cheney, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome to the Unexplained World broadcast with Annette and myself, Edward Shanahan. Hello Annette. Hi Ed, how are you tonight? How are you doing? Hanging right in there. <laughs> uh, enjoying this uh, change in Chicagoland area weather? Up and down, up and down, freezing, warm, <laughs> melting, uh, <at> least, snowing. <laughs> uh, at least it's a little bit uh, warmer today than it has been. That's and, true. Uh, have you heard about what's coming though? Oh, golly. Tell me it's spring. No, they're talking about a major snowstorm starting. <laughs> okay, don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> but that's being north of I-80, so I think you're okay. Okay. Good. Okay, yeah. So you should be I've had okay. enough. Yeah. Okay, listeners, and that is a high priestess, tarot runes, and past life reader, a close friend. Um, have I left anything out in it? Darn good looking. Uh, well, I was just going to get to that. No. Oh, good. Okay. And that is uh, also very attractive. And you can see a video with her on our website, theunexplainedworld.com. Just go into the video and radio webpage, and you will see the video of Annette interviewing the man who was haunted by demons. Okay, so after that uh, interview with the ghost divas, hey, I'm on top of the world. Yeah, yeah you, did a, you did a great job. You did a great job. Matter of we had a lot of fun. Do I hear Kathy giggling there? She was my cohort. Uh, she's listening in the background. She's uh, okay. Okay, she called in. Um, Annette, any, if anybody's interested in having readings done by you, what's the email address they could? Email they can me contact that. me, yeah, at uh, fairyring at hughes.net. That's F-A-I-R-Y-R-I-N-G at hughes.net, H-U-G-H-E-S dot net. Okay. And with myself, listeners, I've been named a spiritual 
I'm an observer, and I do conscious channeling and medium work with items of loved ones who have passed away. One-on-one -on -one psychometry, along with palm reading. And I'm also the creator of the Circle of Energy, especially of having spirits interact with individuals who participate with me in going to haunted locations. So uh, we're going to be coming up with some new locations in the very near future, and more details on that. Also, listeners, tonight our guest is Mr. David Kump. Hello, David. You there? Oh, yes. Hi, Ed. Hi, Ned. Hello, you doing, David. Sir? Hi. Good to have you again. Thanks for coming back. Well, my pleasure. One thing, Annette, that Ed failed to tell you about this weather coming, three yes. to six inches. Not How many? Adjusting. It's serious. How many inches? Three to six that's not oh. so bad. I can handle that. Oh, that'll be, <laughs> it'll be fun again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kids uh, will be out there making snowmen, singing a song. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll get the company vehicle, which is a large van that will get me through anything um, for tomorrow night. Uh, listeners, David is part of the Unexplained World Inner Circle and deals with the areas of UFOs, conspiracies, and the unknown of the science world. Tonight we will be discussing the Philadelphia Experiment and other such titles. Um, and listeners, I've already talked to David, Annette and I, we have expanded the, late, the length of uh, tonight's broadcast in case we need extra time. And uh, because we have another guest that's going to give us some information, her name Let's see if I get around. Okay. Her name is Renee. She's from Indiana Ghost Trackers. Hello, Renee. Hi there, Ed. How are you tonight? I'm doing fine. Uh, we have David here, and we also have Annette, who is my co-host. Welcome, and, Annette. Uh, Hi, David. Hi. How are you? I am good. I'm glad to be on the show tonight. Thank you. Yeah, we, um, Renee and Indiana Ghost Trackers have a special event coming up, and I've offered for her to come on and spend a few minutes to uh, talk about what's coming up, and um, you want to give the people information on it, Renee? Yeah, I would. The event is um, a victims' memorial fundraiser benefit, and the victims were uh, from a one of the first women serial killers. Her name is Belle Gunnis, and she was discovered in 1908 in Laporte, Indiana. Uh, she's she, she was very prolific. She has had 25 victims that we know of, and perhaps more. Um, she was very, very clever. She used, um, gosh, today it would be the Internet, but back in 1908 she was, was advertising in singles magazines and correspondent by mail um, across the continent as well as um, Norway and, and other countries. She talked these men into to coming over to be her suitors, and they unfortunately ended up um, in, in her hog, her hog farm buried. So that that was very very sad. Did she? She also had them turn over all their belongings to her in advance, didn't she? She she did that. It was amazing. Through her correspondence with these folks, she was very, very charismatic and talked them into liquidating all of their assets, sewing all of the cash into the, the hems of their coats, 
and keeping it a secret from their families, telling them that they would surprise the families with the news of their marriage. And unfortunately, these men and their money disappeared as soon as they showed up over here in Indiana. Um, no comment. <laughs> no. She was an equal opportunity murderess. There were transients, vagrants, um, even her own children were, were part of all of this. She is also believed to have faked her death, which is one of the reasons that, um, that I'm really excited about having this fundraiser. The fundraiser is actually going to be um, a lecture, an hour lecture with an hour question and answer afterwards. Um, Andy Simmons is a graduate of the University of Indianapolis. Her master's thesis is in human biology, and she's been working as a forensic pathologist for the last couple of years involving uh, DNA matching and exhuming. Um, it started out with the victims that, that fell to Bell's hand, but has since included Bell. You see, they believe that she staged her own death. Um, her farmhouse was burned down. They found three of her children and a headless female figure in the basement. But the female figure didn't quite match Belle in stature. And strangely enough, she was seen in Chicago and also thought to be seen out in California after her death. Now, you're going to... The memorial is for the bodies of... Um the of people the victims. That, yeah. Or the victims. Okay. Yeah, the the very first victim that was found was was actually the the last gentleman that disappeared. His family could not have believed that he would disappear without having, you know, followed up with them and talked with them. The second victim that was found was one of Bell's own daughters that Bell said went out to boarding school about a year prior. A lot of the people, they just don't know who they were. Um, the, the, the victims are found in various stages of decomposition. There's actually still some thought to be um, not discovered. And even more were, were just parts of, of people that had been put into burlap bags and then, like I said, buried in the hog pen. So they, they think that a pretty good number is 25, but there may have been more. Now, did they create this... In practice, or made this area into a cemetery? Am I, am I correct? They, they a burial ground, more the, or less? The home site is actually um, another private residence at this time. All of the known victims have been moved to two different cemeteries, and most of them are in a mass grave. And that's actually what the, the memorial is for. All of the money is to go to erect some sort of memorial to um, to at least you know remember these folks. This is not uh, a lecture at all to glorify Belle or, or the heinous deeds that she committed. But this is actually just for the people that we've forgotten and also their families. Okay, when and where will this be? This will be Saturday, March the first, in Valparaiso, at the Memorial Opera House from two to four p.m. And if Individuals are interested in coming to the lecture. How can they reserve for it? They can get tickets at Lifestyles Gallery at 122 East Lincoln Way in Valparaiso. There should be some tickets available at the door. It's $7 for adults. 
350 for students for a pre-sale as long as they can get their tickets prior to the 28th. And like I said, there should be some available at the door. Okay. Is, is there, there a phone number or an email? Sorry, go ahead, Ed. <laughs> go ahead, Ed. You know, let me give you my email uh, for anyone that's interested. It's laffindog, L-A-F-I-N-D-O-G, at verizon.net. Okay. And why don't you give a plug to the Indiana Ghost Trackers website? Oh, the Indiana Ghost Trackers. That's indianaghosts, that's plural, dot org. And there's a link on there for the, um, for the lecture as well. Also, okay. just wanting to remind folks that don't know, we do private in-home confidential investigations for um, residents and business owners at no charge. And you are possibly planning on having a – I loved your terminology because you use investigations as something very special for the, the team. You yeah, have you also the ghost hunting, which is basically open to the public. Do you, is, your, is there plans in the future to have um, maybe a ghost hunt at this uh, grave site? Yes, we, we are planning a ghost hunt. Um, likely after our meeting with the Northwest Chapter. So come on out to the Northwest Chapter meeting. Um, you can catch up with us at the Belgunas Lecture. We'll be having our monthly meeting for the Northwest Chapter right after the lecture. And then you can get details on how to go to the ghost hunt. We do have chapters all over Indiana. Um, as well as looking to start a chapter in Chicago. We've got a, two brand new chapters, one in uh, Michigan and also uh, LaPorte chapter starting up. So check our website. We have all the information on there for you. All right. I'm going to uh, attempt in the near future to talk you into having another ghost hunt uh, <laughs> at that location and maybe allowing me to come out there and do what I do. And, I would uh, love that very much. Ed. Yeah, I'm still looking for the... Uh, Scared the poop out of me experience. I uh, haven't had it yet, so uh, I'm still looking for the location that will provide it. Renee, thank you for being on tonight, and um, we'll be talking to you. I may have you on a, as a guest in the future. Maybe you and Mike. How's that sound? That okay. sounds good, Ed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Annette. Thank you, Renee. Have a great evening. Thanks. You too. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Ed, I just have to say, that's such a nice technical term, scared the poop out of the experience. <laughs> I had it for clean. <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better. That's good. That's cute. <laughs> uh, David, you still there? Oh, my gosh, of course. In fact, I'm, uh, I jotted down all that information. I would love to go to that lecture at the Valparaiso Opera House. It's fabulous. First of all, I'd love to see that little opera house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to the lecture and listen to it. What a great story that was. You, yeah. uh, I know you enjoyed those type of locations, opera houses, uh, playhouses, etc. So, um, and there's, there's, I'm talking to a couple people out of that area that we may be doing investigations in uh, some areas of Valparaiso uh, on that. So, uh, time will tell. Okay. Uh, before we go on any further, let me just. Uh, make this message, send this message out to uh, our listeners. Listeners, identity theft can't hit any one of us and is a simple crime for the criminal. And your life will be devastated if it happens to you. Protect your identity with LifeLock. 
and they provide a $1 million guarantee to such protection of your identity. Just go to lifelock.com, and if you go to the website, you can actually even talk to the people. They will give you a phone number to call. Okay, And um, you also see an area in the, on the lifelock.com webpage that if you put the word unexplained, in the location, you will save 10% on the already low cost of the service. Also, if you call them and mention the word unexplained, you will also save $10. So um, that's has to do with that. David, yes. we got you here tonight to talk about the Philadelphia experiment that was uh, done by the U.S. Navy, and that is it was an attempt in 1943 to make a ship vanish from sight. But turned out to be, they have allegedly caused an accidental teleportation of the ship and crew. What can you tell us about that? And that's into this too. So, oh, I'm I, very intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what I'm excited about this story, you know, I've heard the term way back when, when I first got interested in following this UFO business. Uh, I think it was Alan Hynek and Jacques Vallée who were doing the work at a Northwestern University. Every now and then, they would have a case that they termed high strangeness. And I can tell you, everything about the Philadelphia experiment involved high strangeness. In mm -hmm. fact, you might even call it high surprise when you mentioned Ed accidental teleportation uh, yeah, I guess accidental, but uh, surprise would probably be more associated with what happened. What they were intending on doing is something that uh, they eventually succeeded with the stealth bomber plane recently. They were really looking to simply make a ship invisible from radar detection and possibly through creating this almost force field around the ship. They called it like putting the ship in a bottle, and mm -hmm. this little protective bottle that the ship would move through the ocean in would be that force field to protect it from radar detection, missiles, torpedoes, whatever. And, yeah, we're talking about early 1940s when they were mm -hmm. really theorizing they could they could actually attempt such a thing and where they got such an idea uh, comes from some very familiar names Albert Einstein was working on his unified field theory and he was trying to unify all these fields of physics to virtually explain everything and make everything possible. And he realized it was all coming together with how electricity interacted with magnetism and throw in the little aspect of gravity in the mix, and you could create events and circumstances and uh things that could explain and open up possibilities to do anything in physics. At the same time, Nikola Tesla was reaching 
kind of influenced by Einstein's theories and thoughts and work on the subject, Mm -hmm. Tesla was totally involved in electricity and doing some extremely dangerous experiments. And he was having certain success by building this this Tesla coil generator, which created electrical situations that made things happen that he couldn't even understand, but he knew he was onto something probably similar to what Einstein was doing. Uh, and Tesla kind of called it his own unified field theory. So now, is that, is that coil still used today? Yet, to, to some degree... Yes, yes and okay. no. Um, in theory and practice, a lot of Tesla's experiments were so dangerous, as you're going to find out, certainly applied in this Philadelphia experiment, that, you know, it's funny, we have such a command of electricity, we take it so much for granted. You, you get up in the morning, maybe to an alarm clock, you look at your little clock radio, you listen to music, you turn your lights on, you get the coffee started, we really can control electricity. We can even produce electricity. But um, um, it seems the total understanding of what that is and what it's capable of is still a mystery today, and it's extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. Now, what the Navy caught wind of, imagine in the 30s, like I talked about, Tesla, Einstein, they're kind of doing experiments that would manipulate electricity and create magnetic fields that could render objects, let's call it invisible. Uh, What it might mean more is maybe that object somewhat dematerializes in our three-dimensional way we see the world. And that's done through an electrical event. Uh, And it's interesting, as I would read things about the Philadelphia experiment, it would resonate with other things I've read, mysteries surrounding other phenomenon, and certainly in the UFO fields. Uh, What basically they were trying to do is create with these Tesla coil generators on a ship and to put them in operation in a mode that would create this field around the ship and make it invisible. They didn't even know what they were saying when they said invisible. They thought they knew what they meant by saying invisible to radar, uh, maybe even to view, meaning they thought in theory it would bend light around the object, around the ship, in mm-hmm. such a way that you would look out almost like you'd see it like a mirage, but then maybe it wasn't there. And yet, in their minds, they thought it would be there, but it would just create this electrical field where you wouldn't see it there. And really, they they were trying to find an answer to end World War II. And so we're, the, the, the Army's kind of monitoring or consulting with, Einstein, Tesla, get some ideas. And all of a sudden, they moved part of their program to the Princeton 
Institute of Advanced Studies. Now, this happened to be near Philadelphia, as it was, and they were taking these theories and practices, and they had a little success with kind of making small objects disappear, become invisible, and when they gave some report of their little successes to the Navy, that's all they needed to go full steam ahead. Yeah. And they wanted this in the worst way, and so they had the Tesla coils put on the ship, and by the way, it's just the way the thing worked out for Tesla himself. He died in January of 1943, so he was not to even see this experiment happen or the use of his equipment. And it was Einstein who even later said, uh, boy, he had some bad feelings about this Philadelphia experiment, the way the Army and the, I'm sorry, the Navy was so gung-ho on putting this Tesla equipment on this ship and putting it in full speed ahead and almost like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. And Einstein knew that the, the, there, there could be some success here, but he also knew it was extremely dangerous. And he also knew that if, if it was something that could be controlled, that obviously the Navy wanted it for the war effort. And Einstein, at this period of his life, was getting pretty suspicious of everything he was working on, he didn't necessarily want it all to go to war efforts. So there are actually a couple of names here, Dr. Franken Reinhardt, Frank Reinhardt and John von Neumann. These were the two people from the U.S. Navy that headed up this Philadelphia experiment. And von Neumann is the person that, when this whole Philadelphia experiment business was over and ended, or they realized this was far too dangerous to proceed with, von Neumann leapfrogged right into the Manhattan Project. And so Philadelphia Experiment was just before the Manhattan Project, and then all the effort went that way, and certainly we know the result of what that was all about. So what, what allegedly happened in... Uh, somewhere July, August of 1943, these Tesla coil generators were hooked up to this ship in Philadelphia, the USS Eldridge, and kind of unbeknownst even to the crew what exactly was going to happen, it pulled out of the Navy Yard in Philadelphia and just kind of proceeded out to sea and these generators were turned on to create this electromagnetic current around the ship, and there was another ship that was stationed kind of escorting or kind of observing, watching. And when this happened, when these, these generators came on and created this electronic event, the first observation that was reported was a kind of green fog enveloping the ship. And that was so interesting to me when I first read that because that's certainly something I've read or encountered in studying UFOs. There seemed to always be this green fog that would uh, be part of either abductions, lost time episodes, and here it was again with this Philadelphia experiment. 
Next thing you know, the ship that is, let's say, trailing, escorting, observing the Eldridge from about maybe two, three hundred yards mm-hmm. away from it actually doesn't see the ship anymore. So it is invisible to their eyesight. There, there have been reports that these people say they saw the wake of the ship, but no ship. Now we fast forward a matter of seconds. There's a fellow named Carlos Allende who claims he was on a ship in Norfolk, Virginia Harbor when the Eldridge just appeared. So this so-called teleportation possibly took the ship from the Philadelphia Navy Yard as it pulled out to sea and instantaneously transported it about 300 miles to off the coast of Norfolk, Virginia. And this observer at that point said the ship appeared and it was there for moments enough to realize this the ship appears and they're all observing it mm-hmm. and then it vanishes and next thing you know it's reappears back in Philadelphia. And while it was missing, let's call it, or while it was not visible and reported being seen 300 miles away for moments and then sent back to Philadelphia, here's where it gets high strangeness. The crew, this is a whole different story, where one can track what's alleged of where this ship was and where the ship was spotted, the crew ended up, according to these reports, if you research and listen to all the characters involved, the crew ends up going to two different places. Some of the crew ended up in Norfolk, Virginia, on the street, just appeared on the street in front of this bar and there was six or eight of them and they walked in this bar and they were extremely disorientated, extremely disturbed, extremely frightened and something happened and a major bar brawl took place inside this this drinking establishment with these sailors and the customers that were already in there and in the middle of this melee These sailors, according to the people in this bar, just vanished. So that may coincide with the ship being in Norfolk and then disappearing and going back to Philadelphia, as possibly did the crew, Mm -hmm. who, even though they weren't on the ship at that point, they seemed to be on land. Now another part of the crew, three people, claim they landed in Long Island, New York, a place called Montauk, a secret Air Force base. The problem with their high strangeness report, they were told by people at this Montauk base that it was 1983. Oh, I remember that. Okay. So, now they're there for a moment, enough to get 
that much information, and now they're back on the ship in Philadelphia. And now, with everything that's happened, the people on the ship decide, that's enough of this, something is terribly wrong, everybody's disorientated. It seemed as if some crew members were screaming, maybe going out of their minds. So they basically, a couple of these sailors, made their way up to these generator rooms and turned the generators off. Now, in the Hollywood version of the movie, The Philadelphia Experiment, which was kind of a entertaining thing to watch, I will admit, mm-hmm. and knowing what I've known and researched and read about this story for years, uh, it was a fun movie, and they certainly had many aspects of this story incorporated in this movie. And one of the, the ways the movie treated this turning off the generators was it was a pretty much out-of-control situation, and, and a couple of these sailors had to kind of destroy uh, the power lines with fire fireman axes. So it was kind of a violent way they had to stop this generator from operating and then the real problem started when the experiment ended meaning apparently this dematerializing of the ship as we know it in our three-dimensional reality I mean the the ship's a hard object apparently things get real lucid in this experiment the way it turned out, meaning, I guess, you could walk through the walls of the ship. And let's say, if that was even remotely possible that that happened, imagine the sailors walking through the bulkhead walls instead of going to the end of where there's a door opening and walking through So they're moving about this ship, and they're kind of panicking, and they're disorientated, and how can they put their arm through the wall and pull it back, and it's scary to them. Well, when these generators went off, Mm -hmm. and let's say everything snapped back to our three-dimensional reality, there were men reportedly stuck in the middle of these solid walls. And that is the true horrifying result of, obviously, their demise, but all of the personnel on the ship that witnessed this, uh, was it, it really caused some emotional and mental breakdowns. Now, the Navy was certainly realizing they're in over their heads, or this was a mistake, or what on earth are we trying to do here? So they knew this was going to be the end of this, uh, playing around with this electricity thing, and they also knew they had to categorize every one of these surviving sailors as mentally discharged from the Navy, so no matter who they told the story to, who the hell is going to believe them? Uh, And as far as what I seem to find out from researching how they treated these dead sailors was simply told their families in war exercises they were lost at sea. Simple as that. So now the Navy pulls a plug on this Philadelphia experiment business and immediately this John von Neumann 
seems to be needed at the University of Chicago where they're really getting a handle on this Manhattan Project, and that's their next thing. So it was, all right, this is a kind of a scary failure. Uh, but it also somewhat, in their minds, worked. Well, it, it, it's like part of me believes that of a lot of these areas, the, the military or the government or secret controlling uh, entities try to play around with a lot of these strange phenomena. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they might have a degree of success or be exposed to some phenomenon that is still scary to them and they realize they can't control it and they maybe just put it on the shelf for the moment and <clears throat> see what develops many years down the road. Yeah, it, I, 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 it just strikes me if they got a little bit of success, it's like, okay, we messed up on this part, but this part worked, so let's see what we can further do with the part that worked. You know what I'm saying? It's just my way of thinking that's how they may work. You know, oh, because, abs- absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and yet, the I still find the most amazing thing about the, if you want to label it as time travel or, uh, well, it might you know you, you know there was this crazy crazy thing about Montauk in 1983 back in 1943, but mm-hmm. if you just analyze the part of the ship, let's say in one spot and then just just a moment later, it's 300 miles away and there it is in Norfolk off the coast and another ship sees it. Well, so maybe there's this means of travel which, whether you're going just down around the block or 20 years ahead in time, yeah, there is something to what they created with the electromagnetic and this green fog. I I can't tell you how I've heard that reported by people that have had experiences even in this UFO field business. And it always seemed to be associated with they were right here driving their car, and then they were, were surrounded by this green. Next thing you know, they're in a ship. Mm-hmm. Or they're back on the ground, and they wake up, and they look, and they're sitting next to their car. So they don't know where they were, how long they were gone, where they went to, but something happened, and their last recollection was that green fog cloud encompassing them and that seemed to be a byproduct of perhaps manipulating this electromagnetic, atmospheric, and throw gravity in the mix. And, yeah, maybe this is the unified field theory, but, boy, until you really understand what that means, it could be an extremely dangerous thing to play with. It sounds like they were able to separate, you know, uh, different matter. You well, you know what's interesting? I, I don't know how to... Let, let me just give you a couple examples. It's almost okay. like when you're looking at the TV screen and, and, and the picture is fading in and out and you can kind of almost see through it, but it's not real clear. 
but then it comes back and it's perfectly clear. Or another way, here's an observation I had in just, uh, let's talk about drag racing. I love the funny cars. Now here's right. a machine with nitromethane, put it through a motor that creates thousands of horsepower. Well, those headers that take that burning nitro exhaust out of that motor and shoot those flames in the air. If you've ever seen funny car drag racing at night, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. W- when you look at those headers and all that fire, uh, and maybe it's a trick of my mind, I swear I've seen through those metal pipes. They were so hot. You could see okay. through them. Now, certainly they're hard and metal and there's flames coming through them, but it, it was it's almost like something, some phenomenon in physics can be created and, yeah, imagine, now, you know, with the ghost phenomenon, you know, with religious apparitions, certainly I've heard it with the UFO phenomenon and aliens, that people have seen these entities come through a wall. Now, if they're able to do that, they're either manipulating our physics of matter through some event that allows them to come through a solid object that we certainly can't do. Mm -hmm. So whatever that means, yes, somehow that was done to that ship. And that would explain, uh, now the wall is no barrier. In fact, if you're running around screaming, and you could, you'd run right through a wall just out of panic. But if that wall became solid when you were halfway through it, now that's a problem. Yeah. 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 And that's the horror of the Philadelphia experiment. And perhaps even... Uh, people that were a little daring in experimentation or so desperate for an answer to end the war and the secret weapon, maybe that was so scary even to them that somehow the Eden bomb seemed like a, a little better toy to play with. And not so At least they knew the result of it, right? Yeah. Well, sure, sure. But let's just say this. As devastating as that weapon is, it was certainly controllable. Right. I mean, they tested it and understood and predicted and knew what it was going to do, no matter how devastating. Whereas some of these other areas that I believe the military's been involved in, boy, I think they even got the uh, poop scared out of them, if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So there's a good use of your term. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we got somebody that um, is on our chat, and they have a couple questions for you, David. Okay. Yes. Um, please ask David also, what other government projects were associated with this technology? Also ask him if it started Project Looking Glass technology. That I, I'm vaguely familiar with the Looking Glass business, okay. but I, I need to research that a little more before I can answer that uh, one way or the other. 
But let's just say this. I'll give you... Uh, let me make a couple of leaps up. Montauk, New York, 1983, where these people purportedly claimed they woke up at, ended up mm-hmm. at, and it, 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 even though it was 1943. Um, Montauk is a whole new program, if you'd be nice enough to want to hear that story. Oh, yeah, yes, go ahead. They were using all of this technology and then some to send out radio signals to the surrounding area to see if they could control populations. And what they unearthed was just, again, a a mind-boggling story. Montauk is a much more complicated than this Philadelphia experiment, if you can believe that, but it went on for many more years. And uh, it has elements of remote viewing. It has elements of the Philadelphia experiment and a lot of MK Ultra mind control. But let's really fast forward to today. And let's talk about Alaska and the HARP project. Mm-hmm. In Alaska, the HARP antenna field has been alleged to send electricity kind of via this Tesla theories through what Tesla was early, early trying to do and how he influenced the Philadelphia experiment. Harp seems to be that right now where they can send up electricity, magnetic currents into the ionosphere and have that travel around the globe and pinpoint and come back into the Earth wherever they want it for whatever purpose. Could be for weather control. That's certainly been alleged that the HARP project is a major element. What's going on at HARP has to do with weather controlling and delivering weather systems around the globe through this charging of the ionosphere with this electromagnetic current that then can travel back wherever it's directed. So, yes, that that goes on today in a like what you were saying, Ed. Perhaps mm-hmm. through the years they've they've refined it and possibly had a handle on how to control it through the harp antenna field, which uh, is still extremely mysterious and not a lot known about it up in Alaska. But obviously, here's a here's a question to do with that. Just came to my popped in my mind. Yeah. Now how they're saying a lot of that land or a lot of the ice caps and all that are melting in those areas. You think? Because you think it is possible because of the experiments and throwing whatever nature out of sync might have might be a result of this. Let me just say this, and you've known me enough, and even the way you introduced me, this. Uh, let's talk about the ultimate conspiracy here. Mm-hmm. I believe the Earth's 
problems are directly related to overpopulation. Whether you're talking about wars between people and countries and regions, whether you're talking about food that's not available in certain areas and people war over that, whether you're talking about the quite possible coming of water wars as water starts drying up. Right here in our own country. Do I even have to mention oil? Yeah. So what I'm saying is if I had the means to make some attempts at lowering the population of this planet, certainly you wouldn't want to go walking around or start killing people. Right. But if you could cause their deaths by seemingly natural occurrences, like hurricanes, like earthquakes, like... Mm-hmm. Tsunamis. Uh, uh, tsunamis there, boy, that that took care of a nice little piece of humanity, didn't it? Yeah. Well, so did uh, Katrina on the, you know, on the coast. I mean, there hasn't been no real effort to rebuild any of that, you know, for the people. So my only reason for bringing that up is yeah. that is a personal theory of mine, and a possible culprit or delivery system for some of these crazy theories I'm trying to float out there could mm-hmm. be uh, this harp field of antennas in Alaska. And, you you know, certainly I will keep pushing to find out who's really behind that and what that's really all about. I can tell you it's not easy to get much information about it. But... Yes, that's out there. Uh, the other interesting phenomenon that I believe is going on and has been for the last 15 years is the underground tunneling uh, throughout the kind of near west and under Colorado and a lot of western states. And, you know, you maybe have heard these stories where people in Arizona to Colorado to everywhere in between have couldn't get a handle on this humming they keep hearing. They hear this humming sound and like a low vibration and they you know, they you know, your first thought is everybody looks up at the sky, they don't know what's going on, they call the government, they don't know what to tell them. Well, I believe it's underground drilling, cave drilling with those gigantic auger machines that are setting up a network of underground cave systems under virtually half of our country. And who's going to dwell in those caves and for what reason? Well, somebody is, and somebody knows what the purpose of that is. But uh, I can tell you it's... It's something with a lot of high strangeness attached to it. Hmm. Annette, go ahead. I know oh, I'm, you're... Just, I'm just in awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm. I'm constantly when I when we hear about these things uh, and we talk about them on the show, I'm. I'm my mind is whirling on survival. <laughs> oh, 
constantly. Well, that's an interesting word you used. Let's say you're in a position to control some of these outlandish theoretical concepts I'm talking about. Let's say you're uh, doing experiments with the harp field antennas and sending electromagnetic currents around the globe to cause trouble wherever you see fit. Well, you're not concerned about your survival. You don't care if the polar caps melt or the forest fires wipe out half the continent or a tsunami hits all the coasts. You're not worried about that if you've got a palace built under the state of Colorado a mile underground in the mountains. The hell do you care about what happens on the surface of the earth? In fact, you may find it somewhat of a little parlor game. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm sure. And the only reason I'm saying it like that is I believe that's exactly who these controllers of all of this craziness, that's exactly who these people are, how they think. You know, if you're running a government, we won't use any names, but let's say the economy is heading downward and every fourth person is losing their home because of this mortgage crisis, what do you really care if you happen to be someone that's got a family name that you virtually have billions of dollars Oh, you have nothing to worry about. And you maybe have your own area of this cave in the middle of the country stacked with gold bricks. What would you possibly really care about? In other words, when all the water dries up, the people I'm talking about will have water to drink. When all the food runs out, the people I'm talking about are still going to be eating and right. if you think for a moment, well, how could that be? There couldn't be people that uncaring or evil or without a kind. Con- well, yeah, yes, sure of are. course there are. And they bump into them every day. These are the people that control and do these military and government experiments and spend our tax money for their little playtime. You know, another example, the MKUltra, uh, Dr. Jolly West was given a government contract to look into mind control, and it was labeled under this MKUltra project. You know, the first thing this guy did, this was the early 60s, and it just so happened to coincide with LSD flooding the market and... Uh hippies getting turned on and everything going on in California. Well, this guy, Wes, convinced the CIA, you know what, maybe we start with LSD and let's see what it does to people. Maybe this is a key drug we can use to control people's minds. So he convinced the brass at the CIA, let's throw some cocktail parties. And I mean, unsuspecting people that just worked in offices as, I don't know, receptionists and mailroom clerks and were all invited to these cocktail parties with 
spike punch with LSD and for no other reason than for this Dr. West and his buddies to sit there and observe what the hell happens to these people on LSD. And, by the way, the only reason I'm bringing this up, this has been documented and admitted by the government that these tests were done using LSD and they were done to unsuspecting people and there were lawsuits involved and that's the only way this whole thing came to the surface. So those that would say, oh my gosh, how can you even insinuate that the government, the military, the whatever, would engage in such activity? Well, because they have. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that our prison system injected the black inmates with syphilis just to see what the hell would happen. And that's been totally documented and admitted. Now, at the time that was going on, I suppose if someone mentioned, do you know what tests they're doing in the prison to the black prisoners and injecting them with syphilis, there would have been an unbelievable outrage. But many years, that was in the late 50s, early 60s, now we know that's true, yet, I don't know, what are we going to do about it? There's been documented cases about even citizens being tested. Well, look at it this way. To them. All of these examples, Ed, Annette, all of these examples finally come to the surface many years later. And certainly we know the first night I was on your show as a guest, we talked about Area 51 out in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And for years, the official position of the military and the government and Washington, D.C. was there is no such base, there is no such place, it's all a myth, it's all conspiracy theory. It finally was admitted in open court in Las Vegas about 20 years ago because an attorney representing a woman whose husband worked out there and died because of his exposure to some crazy chemicals, sued the government, he was able to stay on the case long enough and dig deep enough and come up with enough documentation where the government sent the general into their courtroom and said, yes, Area 51 exists. So it's not a matter of gotcha what my whole reason for looking into these things. I'm interested in the Philadelphia experiment back in 1943 because it only makes me wonder what on earth are they up to today? Yeah, and we'll know when we find out about it, it'll be all too late. Of course it will. Yeah. And it won't matter or the the, the, the parties involved will be dead and gone and you're exactly correct. And If for no other reason, if you leave morality out of it and religion out of it Mm -hmm. and just be good to your neighbor out of it, I've had it with my tax money going for this crazy business that we're not to know anything about. I've had it with that. And I don't see how taxpayers 
can't be organized and incest with the obnoxious amounts of money they take from us goes into the black budget portion of the military spending for all these secret programs when are the people going to say enough is enough and, and we've got to have some answers common man doesn't even know not a clue well here's a wonder I'll bet no you know what's interesting that's true and it isn't true the common man if they listen to this they they They've heard of the Philadelphia Experiment. Oh, yeah. They might know little bits of it. They've heard of MK Ultra. They've even maybe heard of this harp antenna mysterious crazy thing going on in Alaska. But they haven't spent the time it takes to really look into it and research it and perhaps do any kind of investigation on your own and talk to people about it and like what we're doing right now yes um it, but it's got to be vitally important to them because it's going it affects so many lives and if i'm half correct at i think somewhere along the line soon someone wants to control the population growth and Boy, that's that's a heavy subject. If uh, people are going to have to be eliminated from the earth in great numbers uh, through these crazy events that are perhaps even man-made, I think that's something I'd like to know about. Oh yeah. The question I have, and was a thought, do you think maybe the reason for programs like Dex Files? Even if you want to go back as far as Star Trek, because, you know, a lot of the things like, you know, look at our cell phones, for example, the damn thing that, uh, you know, they would say, beam me up, Scotty, you know, um, they flip it open and talk on it. Do you think maybe, like, textiles and those type of programs are maybe created to see how uh, citizens or society will react well, I've heard that theory alleged many times that there have been attempts to do that. In fact, I I believe uh, Walt Disney might have been involved in a little of that it's at some point uh, in talks way back when, uh, when there were early 60s, late 50s UFO flaps, uh, there, there were discussions between, let's say, the parties in the know and how to break it to the American public. And I think Hollywood was a possible solution. And you're right, Ed. We may have seen some of that without realizing it in some of the entertainment or movies we've seen already. Mm -hmm. I do know that there was uh, definitely a lot of observation and decisions made after that crazy radio broadcast by Orson Welles and, uh, where somehow people turned their radios on and there was an invasion from Mars that was actually a very clever, well-acted radio show by Orson Welles. Right. The problem was, as people tuned into it throughout America, a lot of people thought it was real. 
And I guess there was pretty serious mass hysteria and panic. And uh, after that little observation, uh, maybe that's where people in control started thinking, geez, maybe uh, <laughs> people can't handle this. <laughs> so I, I know that. I've heard that talked about. But you're right. I I have heard that there have been attempts to bridge to the American public through entertainment media and kind of spoon-feeding little things. Exactly. Well, it's like, as my wife usually says, we're so exposed to violence on TV, we've actually, in many cases, have become numb to it in reality because of the exposure. And that's where maybe that concept of uh, what I was thinking is coming from. Maybe the, ex you know, the more exposure to see how we respond to it. Unfortunately, if you read the Yao groups and stuff like that, people are really going on the deep end. And if I was involved in, you know, oh, do we expose this to the people or not? No. The little bit we're giving them, they're going on the far end, deep end. You know, um, maybe we shouldn't. So that's just my thoughts on the situation. Well, right, and, and, and I understand that part of me is, I don't know what word I'd use for this. Maybe you can label me after I tell you my theory. Part of me says, look, the unimaginable truth is still the truth. And you know mm -hmm. what? I'll go with the truth any day. I don't care who kills himself over it. I don't care who panics in the street. I don't care who runs out the door screaming. Look, I say we get to the truth, and I'll just open up a little lawn chair and sit back and watch. I, I <laughs> the hell do I care what happens? That'll be entertainment for me. So, in other words, if your little mind has not had these thoughts of what the truth could ultimately be, in any of these areas, then you definitely need to start thinking and opening up your mind because you will be devastated by it, I can tell you that. The, the way I think, at the very least, uh, it's entertaining to me. At the very most, it's going to be pretty hard to surprise me, I, I can tell you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. That's on, <laughs> that's on the other end. <laughs> right, sure, right. Sure. But you know what? The thing, the, the good thing about this is, about a broadcast like this and others is, maybe it will get people to investigate some. And, and Ed, that, that is so exciting to me because what I did with the Area 51 business and yeah. how I decided, look, I can get involved in this too. And yes, everybody can do something on, on the tiniest level, but, but please investigate, please research, and please think about it because when a certain logic will hit you about a subject, and you will know, it, there's a feeling you'll get when you know you're on to something that 
could possibly be the truth. And as, as long as you arrived at it by your own thinking, your own research, your own reading, your own possibly even investigating, then is when you know it. Not that you're sitting at lunch with a co-worker and he tells you a story and you just believe it and that's it. And now you're going to be doing some investigations or what? Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. You know, I've always seen myself as, and I've said it for years, well, okay, well, I'll be that post-apocalyptic girl who bandages everybody up and unites them and gets them to learn how to farm or, or something, you know. I've, I've said that for years. And, you know, I maybe that's not so far away from the truth. Well, right, but keep in mind there, yes, we we all are, pretty resourceful in our evolution as human beings, you know, you, you're right. We'll, uh, as long as there's some event that you don't end up with both legs and your head cut off, yeah, yeah. You, you will survive in some fashion for as long as you can. Yeah. You get real creative and, oh, absolutely. But all I'm saying is uh, let's not let somebody off the hook that contributed or created the situation. So if there are manipulators and controllers out there that want certain events to happen in the world that fits their little scheme of things, I'm here to tell you, well, maybe we trip them up a little or make it not so easy on them. There's a web, there's a Yahoo group, David, and I'm going to email it to that too. That I will email you, and it has to do. It has to. It gets heavy in talking about mind control and black ops, and uh, I will email you that within the next couple of days. Um, oh, I'd appreciate Yahoo group. that. I'd love to see it. Very, 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 uh, very um, interesting readings. Um, you know, in files they've uploaded there and everything else. So I will uh, email you. You know, here's here's one thing I thought of, and, and what's interesting, as you do any type of investigation, um, a fantasy I have is, can you imagine if, let's say, Ed, you and Annette and myself and another group, and let's say we start an investigative group, mm -hmm. and let's say we somehow stumble upon or discover something, not through any great mind or experiment, or, but let's say we happen upon something that is earth-shattering. Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't tell the government a thing about it. Certainly they don't tell us. And when I say the government, please understand, I'm not talking about these people that spend all their money to get elected so they can go to Washington, get free haircuts, and tell us what to do. <laughs> I'm talking about the people that tell them what to do. Yeah. And how many absurd explanations can we endure of, you know, well, there wasn't a UFO, it was a weather balloon. 
<laughs> so you know what? If I had a little gray alien visit me and somebody saw us together and reported it and the FBI showed up and said, "Were you? was there a little gray alien at your apartment last night? I'd say no. It was swamp gas. <laughs> or it was a weather balloon or whatever. I, I too, can play that game. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> well, you got the email I sent you about the satellite. Yeah, absolutely. That was very oh, interesting. Yeah. I did hear I did hear reports about that in the last couple of weeks. Uh and 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 I will say this, what I liked about how I opened up talking about the Philadelphia experiment, I have found that the stories with the highest strangeness are the ones that are more likely to be true. Okay. I got into a heavy discussion with my wife today on this. Let me, just give me a yay or nay, okay? Do you think that I see this once in a while, such a thing as reptilian aliens exist? Reptilian? Yeah, aliens. Oh, the reptilian Yes. Aliens? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Well, we're going to make that a subject in the near future. How's that sound? Yeah, the, what, I mean, if you're to subscribe to or believe any of this alien other beings, uh, there's about eight of them, eight different groups, sex, beings, whatever you want to call them, one of which are the reptilians. Okay. What are that let me ask you this. We got like sixteen minutes left. And this will be another show for sure now. Um right Annette? Well, if it uh, comes out of David, I'll agree. <laughs> yeah. What what is a reptilian? Because I'll tell you why, David. I was at a a place, um Ashbury Coffee House, we were uh taping for when we had the cable show and stuff like that. And somebody there that's an uh, investigator or researcher of reptilian aliens said there was one they seen sitting or standing right behind me. Yeah, again, I, I'm not going to... I mean, that would be like asking me, what is a Nordique? Which is certainly another type of alien, just like the reptilian. One might say the greys, which certainly, who the hell can argue with that group? Uh, that's probably the best-known little image everyone has seen or heard reported. Uh, but, yeah, the, let's, let's save that for okay. the whole show in itself. Okay. Then, it, then you're saying it is possible that such a thing might have been standing behind. Oh, oh, well, yes. Not only that, Ed. In my view of our existence, I keep talking about a three-dimensional reality. The yeah. only reason I say that, I want people to understand how limited that really means we are. Meaning, imagine there is a species of beings that operate in six dimensions. 
So when I say we are three-dimensional, everything we see, touch, create, make, build, think, our math, our science, our physics, it's three-dimensional. But three is a low number is what I'm trying to say. Okay. There it sounds like a very interesting subject. It really yeah. does. Uh, I think we'll have that as another broadcast. Okay. David? Well, I, you're not going to get an argument out of me. I love okay. being... You come up for a title for it, and uh, we'll go with it. Probably I love around. about all this, and, and now you really got me energized because <laughs> I, I really... I, I guess I love what you're doing with this show because if somehow anything we say, if there's one sentence I said tonight that makes someone that heard it say, yeah, you know what, that's interesting. I think I am going to, or you know what, I got a thought about something that I better look into because, yeah, if if we can influence anyone to... Uh, not just sit here and accept <laughs> what they're trying to tell us the world's all about. It's it's nothing like that. It's being manipulated every day, and there's some serious things going on, and there are people getting hurt, and at the very least, they're taking our tax money. They're not building roads with it like they should. They're not fixing these bridges. They're using it on things like war and how to war better, and mm -hmm. how to war more secretive, and how to maybe kill more people in war without using conventional weapons, but using these other bizarre energy fields. I think I object to that, and, and I can't believe I'm the only one. Oh, you got, believe me, there's a person on our chat board called Tully, it's totally behind everything you're saying. I mean, uh, it's a shame the individual couldn't call in because um, it probably been another chat, okay? Uh, you know, like the discussion you and Chad had in the past. Sure. Uh, the person threw out a question. Are there any survivors of the Philadelphia experiment that you are aware of? Well, that is a very good question. Yes, I, I guess I would have to do some further research as far as where these people are today. But let me see. Um, and the person wants to know, do you have a website they could check about these type of subjects that you're discussing? I don't personally have a website. Okay. Okay. When I go on the web, mm -hmm. and this would be a uh, possibly a way that this person could answer his own question, e even if you just Google Philadelphia Experiment, look at some of these names, uh, Dr. Jessup, uh, look at Carlos Allende, uh, look at Montauk, New York, and you'll see some of these same names. Uh, and then perhaps you even write in where are these people now or what are their ages, are they still alive, anything like that. Certainly there there will be a couple of these players that kind of went from, uh, you know, there's Preston Nichols who wrote 
this 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 group of books about Montauk, and he talks about uh, the Philadelphia experiment as well. Uh, he is certainly someone that uh, you could probably even get in touch with. Uh, Duncan hmm. Cameron, here's a name for you. Uh, Al Bielik. Uh Yeah, I would need to before I could could answer yeah. that logically. I I would need to sit down to. For all I know, one of them could have died yesterday. It was so, just a question thrown out. You know. Sure, sure. And uh, the other question is, if because of your research, have you been uh, contacted by government sources that you know? No, but uh, uh, let me turn that around. A very interesting thing happened when I was living in Evanston, and I just so happened to be uh, part of real close to the Northwestern University and students and that whole thing there. Uh, I had someone living in my building who was very good friends with Jacques Vallée, worked with him, with Alan Hynek there at the university and all their research into UFOs. So that's what really, really got me started in wanting to research his subject. So what I did when Alan Hynek told the government to go stick it and started his own organization, it was called the Center for UFO Studies in Evanston. Mm-hmm. And I joined that group and wanted to, if nothing else, go through their files. I mean, it was just the most amazing thing. You walk into this office, and there's these walls and walls of metal file cabinets, and you open any drawer and just go through the cases, and you see the photos, and you read these witness accounts. And I mean, there aren't 30 files. There aren't three. There's 30,000 files. And that makes you realize, hey, wait a minute, there is something to this. You know, don't take my word for it or don't take my theories. Just common sense tells you that. But what was interesting, I was there one Saturday and I was I was new to the group. And, in fact, I was there with my brother and we were looking through the files and we met Dr. Michael Swords. He's from uh, University of uh, or Michigan State University and he was down there from Michigan State, he came to the Center for UFO Studies to research his latest book he was writing on crop circles. But I can tell you, being a new member there, I distinctly got the impression that the other people that I encountered there thought I was the government agent (laughs) because I believe they've had that type of infiltration before. Mm-hmm. So I'm new to the scene, and I show up, and my brother and I walk in, and we kind of got just absorbed and going through these files and looking at all these pictures. And, we're, and I could tell there were other members around kind of looking at us, and I believe one of them maybe heavily hinted or maybe asked us directly if we were with some agency or who we were exactly. So, yeah, it was funny the way that happened, but, you know, uh, perhaps, I think I'm pretty perceptive, but if anyone, I'm very perceptive, but I'm also, I tend to ignore things, or I don't deal with something unless it's, in other words, if you want to see what I'm up to, 
I expect you to walk right up and say, hey, what are you up to? Mm -hmm. That's the way I like to deal with people. But if you're going to hide behind a tree and look over, see what I'm getting out of my mailbox, you know what? I may even see you, and I can care. I don't care who you are or what you're up to. So that's, I don't know how to answer that other than that. Okay. We have uh, about six minutes left, and i got to make an announcement about upcoming dates. Uh, Monday, March 3rd, I'll be doing readings at Champs in Burbank, Illinois, 6501 West 79th Street, in Burbank, that's approximately six blocks east of Harlem Avenue on 79th Street. I'll be there from 5 o'clock till 9 o'clock. Our next broadcast will be Sunday, March 9th, and we're going to have Ricky, Ricky Master Curtis, who will be doing charcoal readings, okay, for callers on that night. And then we got a lineup of uh, authors coming on. Annette, you want to tell them who the first author uh, our guest will be? Well, on March 23rd, we'll have uh, Michelle Bellinger. She's the author of Psychic Dreamwalking and The Psychic Vampire Codex. Also, her newest publication is Vampires in Their Own Words. So she'll be talking to us about all her experiences with uh, people who live their lives as vampires. And um, I was looking at her website, and she's even, um, she sings. She puts out CDs, beautiful music. It's all gothic and very haunting. So that'll be really nice having Michelle come and talk yeah, to us that night. Yeah. Um, we may, I don't know, I don't know if, does, by what you looked at the website, does she write books on vampire-type vampire books? or? It, well, yeah, like real-life-type vampire stuff. Okay, not, not the romance-type vampire books. I don't think so, unless that's hiding somewhere under the pages, but it looked like you know people who live their lives in a vampire, vampiric community. Because I didn't know if I should uh, rate the show PG-13 or <laughs> what. You know. I don't think so. I think she'll okay. just give it to us. And, and I think that what her publications do, they strive to set up some type of a, a code, you know, um, a read which these people live by. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll have other authors on it. We've got, I believe, three or four authors booked, and uh, more information on that will come as time goes on. Uh, David, uh, as always, even even our people on the chat board are saying, please tell David he is a wonderful guest, and I really enjoy listening to him. So, here, here. Hey, well, yeah. I, can, I can tell you now this. Thank you so much. This was my third appearance with you two and I don't know how we're going to top this but I had so much fun I I don't know what to tell you oh the reptilians <laughs> believe me reptilians oh all right yeah there you go yeah no yeah. you know what and then this this stuff is so intellectually stimulating how could you not be interested in any aspect of any of this and yet you're right Ed, there are so many subjects out there that we could spend a whole show on, and it's just it's just a great way to stretch your mind. Well, even when I read that email about the satellite, okay, maybe three years ago I would have gone, eh. But I actually sat there, and because no sooner did I receive that, I received an email from a member on MySpace that said they were out there because it, the satellite was shot down the same night of the eclipse. And they were out there watching the eclipse, and all of a sudden they seen an object 
that to them was resembles maybe a UFO. And I just, you know, I read about the email I sent you, and then I read hers, and she's perfectly innocent. I mean, as far as this would be the last thing you think would come out of her mouth, and it's like maybe there is something to that email about the satellite. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. Well, like David said, the stranger, the more oh, honest oh, it probably absolutely. is. Absolutely. As crazy as that sounds, uh, it, it, it's kind of a sophisticated way to say, I mean, it's so bizarre, you couldn't even make that up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> even the best science fiction writers, believe me, it's that out there. And here's the thing. The letter that was sent, because they sent a copy of the letter that was sent to the White House, was written by a doctor. Huh. And probably a scientist. Sure. So, you just really wonder. David, thank you again. Annette, thank you. I'll give you a call in a minute or so. Thank you again, David. Thanks, Annette. Just, again, I I can't tell you how much fun I had. Good. (laughs) Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time, good night. Thank you, David. Bye, Ed. Bye-bye. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.